Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. The best is yet to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. The first part of 10 will be our opening text. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared. Notice the word prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. And we'll stop right there. Um, this verse is a very powerful verse, especially to me. I remember sitting with uh, Brother Jose Feliciano and we were in a mill crane uh, in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company. I had just got saved and I was talking with him and he was a seasoned Christian. He was in Bible school as well. And he quoted that verse to me and that verse he quoted set a fire in my bones. And when I say a fire in my bones, it just burned on the inside of me and I said, I want to know the Word of God like that man knows the Word of God. And I just dug my nose into the Bible and began to study it. And of course, from that place on, I got my call, received my call to enter into the ministry after going to Bible school and all that. But what Paul was saying here in these verses of Scripture, look, no matter what experiences we've experienced in God this side of heaven, the best is yet to come. And what are you saying? We can say it this way. We ain't seen anything yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Haven't heard nothing yet. You haven't even embraced anything in your heart as to what you're going to see on the other side in glory. But it's not just spiritually. It also includes this side of heaven. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 also in verse 18. The Apostle Paul, once again, to the same church, the church at Corinth. And he continues on in his um, explanation of things. And here's what he says. But we all with open face, beholding as in, a mirror, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. Imagine that. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He talks about our journey here on earth as one of transformation or change from glory to glory. In other words, one degree of glory to another degree of glory. It's not just getting saved and uh, thank God I'm saved, but we're saved and we want to continue to be changed from glory to glory as we look into the Word of God and see ourselves in Christ and then we become by the Holy Spirit more and more like Christ every day. And so he's talking about a journey from glory to glory. In the book of Philippians, we see Paul basically saying the same thing. Look at that in chapter 1, verse 6. And this is from the Amplified Version of the Bible. I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, has he begun a good work in you? Will continue until the day of Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Did you notice that? When we get saved, we're complete in Christ on the inside, but that which is on the inside isn't completely manifested on the outside, and we call this sanctification, or we call this a person who is growing in the Lord and being transformed from glory 
to glory. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 when the Apostle Paul said these words. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that, notice this, good, then acceptable, and then perfect will of God. It's like 30, 60, and 100 fold. Good, thank God it's good. We got saved and that's the best. We got saved. But the acceptable, we're continuing to grow in Christ and the perfect will of God. If you think about it, remember the Apostle Paul said these words also to the church at Philippi? He said, look, I'm striving for it, but I haven't arrived at it yet. What was he talking about? What was he referring to? He's talking about, I have yet to have the life of God manifest in my flesh. And that's my desire as I live my life upon the earth. So if you can see what he's talking about is this. I'm striving for that. I'm not there yet. I'm walking in the light of it right now of what I have. I've been saved. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm being changed from glory to glory. But still, I want more transformation, more change in my life. I want to little by little become more and more like Christ in my life. He hasn't arrived there yet. Have any of us. We're, we're on our way. We're, we're wanting to be changed from glory to glory. But also, we understand in Romans chapter 2... He's referring to the renewing of the mind in order to achieve that goal. So, we look into the mirror of God's Word. We see who we are in Christ. We view His finished work. And we say, I want to be like Him. And we sit at His feet. We study His Word. And then we invite the Holy Spirit as we surrender our hearts and lives to Him and say, change me. I'm not perfected there yet. I'm like Paul. I'm not there yet. But you know what? I want to be more like Him. Now, Glory to glory experiences. I'm sure you've had your glory to glory experiences, but one quick way I can share this with you is this. Remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? How Elisha wanted the double portion of Elijah's anointing? Right. And we understand that he achieved that, and also he did twice as many miracles that Elijah did, which we could count for the double anointing, if you could say it that way. But you'll notice this. In the beginning, when Elisha said, I'm going to follow you, he started at Gilgal. Gilgal is a type of salvation. In other words, we've been saved. But then he went on to a place of the next degree of glory is visitation, Bethel. Bethel stands for a place of divine visitation. So at that place, he began to sit in the presence of God, you could say, and visit with God. You realize in this new covenant that we have, the blood of Jesus Christ gives us access to the very throne of God so that we can sit before his presence, interact with him, and receive from him visitation. Which leads to the next step, which was from Bethel to Jericho. And what is that place? Divine manifestation. Uh, if you've been saved and you visit with God, it's going to translate into what? This next degree of glory, divine manifestations in your life. And then from that place, we get to the place Paul talked about. And it's always this way in Scripture. Jordan. What does Jordan stand for? Complete transformation. Complete surrender, where we give ourselves to Him completely. And now we're changed. And of course, ultimately, that'll be when we are what? Glorified. But along the way, we should be striving for that every day of our lives. We know the enemy is going to try to stop that. But Paul says, strive for it. And wherever, you, or wherever you're at right now in your walk with the Lord, stay there and continue to press on toward the mark, which is Paul, uh, his, his reference or his advice to all of us. Now, quickly, I, I, I don't know about your experiences, but I can share my experiences with you. And I'll do that real quick. Number one, salvation. First degree of glory in any person's life. Look in the book of 1 Peter, what it talks about when you got saved. Are you glad you've been saved by the Amen. grace of God and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Look at what Peter said. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than, than of gold that perishes, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, and whom, though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of what? Full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Notice he talked about salvation being what? Something that's full of glory. I don't know about your experience, but when I got saved, the glory of God entered my soul in such a way, it set me on a cloud. I was so thankful to God that He washed my spirit in the blood of Jesus Christ and made me His child. That degree of glory just was overwhelming to me. I wanted to share it with the world. But that's one degree of glory. When we talk about the glory of God being in manifestation, it's not just in you see a cloud, and I've seen the cloud of God's glory, but it's talking about episodes in our lives. Transformation in our lives from glory, one degree of glory to another degree of glory. The next one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, what Jesus told his disciples after they were born again. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you experienced that degree of God's glory? On the day of Pentecost, you know the story. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a much rushing mighty wind came upon each and every one of them. Cloven tongues like as a fire on them. And the glory of the Lord just flooded their souls. That's a manifestation of the glory of God in salvation. Then you've got the glory of God in deliverance. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Once again, a powerful manifestation of the power of God, the glory of God to deliver. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness. Thanks be unto God, we've been delivered already from the power of darkness and translated us to the kingdom of His dear Son. There is a degree of God's glory in manifestation that brings forth deliverance in people's lives. You get saved doesn't mean you're free from everything. In spirit you are, but there may be some things in our lives that hold us down, keep us back. And God's delivering power, thank God for His delivering power that absolutely separates us from those things so that we can walk in holiness before God. Can you say amen? That's another degree of God's glory. And then here, and I've had quite a bit of experience in this area, 1 Peter 2.24 2, talks about God's healing glory. The glory of God. Remember Paul, uh, Peter when he was uh, with the people in the shadow, his shadow overshadowing the people that were brought to him that were sick? And by that glory that was in manifestation, all these people got delivered, set free, and made whole. That is a degree of the, of the glory of God manifested in an individual who is sold out to God in Peter's life. Uh, for, for example, my first, one of my first experiences after my personal healing was when my daughter fell 10 feet and uh, split her eye open. Long story, you've heard the testimony. But I saw the glory of God in manifestation overnight in that child's life and that she was supernaturally healed by the power of God without any medical assistance, which was absolutely amazing to all of us. But it took place, and that is a manifestation of the glory of God's healing power. Then when I also came here, say about 41 years ago, and I, small congregation, 35 people, I believe was the total, and I had opportunity to go to Sister Mary Pacella's house. And I sat down with her, and she had a, an eye that was, uh, the muscle was deteriorated because of sugar diabetes, and we, I talked with her the word of faith and shared with her the word of God, and I watched the eye come into alignment at that particular time. And long story short, because of the message of faith and God's word and because of the glory and power of God, she received a creative miracle in that muscle in her eye. It was verified even by the doctors who thought that she went to Pittsburgh somewhere and got healed. Or maybe got help through some new procedure or something like that. She said, no, I just went to Jesus and he healed me. And then, of course, there's a, another healing that took place, another creative miracle that took place. And once again, 
the glory, we're talking about the glory of God manifesting itself in manifestations such as healing. And he's sitting right there, born without a left pulmonary artery, and yet declared the word of God, thanking, the word, thanking God for his word, manifesting itself in Andrew's life. And he grew a left pulmonary artery to normal size. And, and of course, you see him right now, 19 years old, and about to get his license. And I'm, I'm like, oh my... But he's about to get his license. It's just a warning to all of us. He says, about to get his license. So remember that. One time, you talk about the glory of God. We had a, a lady that was here who was nine months pregnant. And we prayed for her. The glory of God manifested in her body in such a way so that the child in her womb that had spina bifida was completely healed and made whole by the power of God. We're talking about the glory experience of God's power to heal, deliver, set free, make whole, save, etc., etc. And then, of course, there are many other ones. We had many that were uh, infertile. They couldn't have children, but the power of God came upon them. The glory was manifested in their bodies, and they were delivered, healed, and set free. And I can just go on and on and on and share with you many manifestations of the glory of God in healing that brought healing and wholeness to people's lives. Uh, then, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 7. It talks about the glory of divine manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person who is submitted or committed to God surrendered to God. And every child of God can experience these. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. When God's glorious power is in manifestation through gifts uh, of the Spirit, they will produce signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstrations of God's mighty power and might. And I, personally, like I said, this is personal because I know me, one of the manifestations was without question an audible voice that I had heard. Uh, just to say, you'll be the next pastor of that church. And then also, uh, uh, I saw my angel at one time, and that's discerning of spirits. I saw a demonic influence leave my son's brow when he was healed, delivered, and set free from a, a condition. Uh, it was a high fever that he had, but I saw it fly out the window. These are manifestations of the glory of God by the Spirit of God as we yield ourselves to Him. And so, we don't stop there because, you see, there's another place to go beyond that. To be honest with you, you know what that place is? It's Jordan. We're going to get to there in just a moment. But these manifestations are given to every man to profit with all so that each and every one of us can experience these wonderful things in God. Let's talk about glory to glory. Salvation, glory to glory. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, deliverance, glory to glory. Healing. And it goes on and on until finally full transformation, which is what we should all be desiring in all of our lives. Now, to continue, look at book of Numbers chapter uh, 14. And while I'm saying this, I, I want to quote something to you from C.S. Lewis. He said this, he said these words, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Aim at heaven. In other words, it's going to bless you on earth. But if you just aim at earth and live for earthly things, you may get neither. So it's so important that we recognize as we live in this world, we should be living a life of transformation from glory to glory so we can experience the best that God has to offer for us now in this life and also in the life that is to come. In Numbers 14 verse 21, as we continue to serve the Lord here upon the earth, we can expect God to give us his best here upon this earth. Do you want God's best? Amen. Well, I'm not talking about being greedy, selfish, or anything like that. I'm talking about God's best in our lives. And we're going to see what it is. You'll want it. But truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with what? The glory of the Lord. But 
Because all those men who have seen my glory and my miraculous signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have they test, have tested and proved me these ten times and have not heeded my voice. Now notice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give to their fathers, nor shall any who provoked, spurned, despised me see it. And the reference is there in Hebrews. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Think about that. He said to them, you went from this degree of glory, you saw that degree of glory, that degree of glory, and it just kept going on. But now you've come to the place where the glory that is in my word is to be released to get you into the fullness of what I have for you, the best that's yet to come. You're denied it. You're not going to get into it. Well, what did they see? First of all, look at Psalm 105, verse 37. They saw God's delivering and healing power in a profound way. They saw His salvation, His healing, delivering power. He brought them forth also, that's out of Egypt, after over 400 years of slavery, with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Imagine this, two and a half million people, and not one sickly. They were all, remember, they were slaves. It was a brutal life that they lived. But yet, when God brought them out, what was salvation? The sacrificial lamb. Remember they sacrificed the lamb? And they applied it to the doorpost and lintel of their house. They were brought out of Egypt. That's their salvation. They were brought to the wilderness. And then they experienced all the things that God provided for them. One degree of glory. Next degree of glory. Uh, look at the next one in the book of Exodus chapter 13 verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. So now we see them experiencing the glory of what? His guidance and direction for them. Also, you could say his protection for them from the heat and from the cold. Here's a, a glorious manifestation that they actually saw. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the cloud by day. They saw those things. This is the glory of God in manifestation in their lives that provided for them the light even at night to travel. So it gave them the guidance that they needed. And then also he saw, they saw the glory of his provision. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where the Apostle Paul kind of relives this. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Imagine seeing the glory of 45 Ton, thousand tons of manna coming down from heaven, 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every single day to provide for their needs. We're told that their clothes grew on their back, their shoes grew on their feet. You talk about a manifestation of the glory of God that would wake anybody up. Think about it. To see that actually happen right before your very eyes, to experience that thing in their eye, right before them, imagine the impact it would have upon a person's life. Now, he said, you saw all that, but yet you don't want to believe my word. The time has come for you to believe my word. What do you want? You just want to see more, what? Signs, wonders, and miracles? We want them, but you're going to see them this way, through the word. We'll get to that. Look at the book of Exodus chapter 23. 
You see, the best was yet to come. But what is the best that's yet to come? Their unbelief kept them out of the best that was yet to come. They couldn't enter into the promise of the best that's yet to come. Why? Because they would not believe the word after seeing all those manifestations of the glory of God in their lives. So here it is. Here's what they denied themselves of. Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have. What's that word? Remember back way at the beginning I said, remember that word. I prepared the best that was yet to come. And here it is. I took you from Egypt and I'm preparing for you a promised land, the best I have for you on earth. I'm going to manifest my glory all along the way. And when you get there, beware of the angel, obey his voice, provoke him not. He will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be. Here, here it is, the best that's yet to come. I'll be an enemy to your enemies. That's pretty good. When God's an enemy to your enemy. And an adversary to your adversary. This is in the promised land. My angels shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the ites. And I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread, bless your water, take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. We're talking about a place prepared by God for them, where the best was yet to come, where all these would be in manifestation. And in your notes, I think I have his presence, his power, his peace, his promises, provision, and the last one should be protection, not perfection. So just you want to correct that. You know, for yourself. All those things were to manifest where in the promised land. Can you imagine living on this side of heaven in a place where you experience God's presence, power, peace, promises, provision, and protection continually every day of your life? You missed a good time to shout. Imagine that. That was a manifestation of the glory of God that was to be continued in their lives as they lived upon the earth. But they never achieved that. They never arrived at that. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 because it tells us why they were denied it. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so we see that they didn't mix faith with it. They moved from glory to glory and they were at a place where they were supposed to release the glory of God as they acted upon the word of God, believing that what God said. Why? So that they would not provoke the angel who was going to get them into the place that God prepared for them. But you see, in that place of maturity, they didn't act out what God instructed them to do. And as a result, they were denied the best that's yet to come. You know, I really believe that this ministry has been all about that. That we go from glory to glory. We get to a place that we believe to release the manifestation of God's glory as we declare the word. That's what healed Andrew. That's what created those miracles. All those things take place when we act upon the word of God. And God expects us to get to that place in our lives. Why? Because it means we trust him. We believe he's a God of integrity. We believe in his word. And he honors that. He loves that from us. Look at the book of Numbers. And here's why. 
Because you see, someone did get in that promised land. The place that was prepared for him, his name is Caleb. Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 once again. But my servant Caleb, why? Because he had another spirit with him. Hath followed me fully, him will I bring in the land where he went, and his seed shall possess it. You see, he released not just the word that God had spoken to him, but he was willing to go all the way and be transformed all the way through all those experiences and say, you know what? I want everything you got, Lord. I know my senses tell me it's not possible. All my brethren told me it's not possible. But I am completely giving myself over to you and to the word that you proclaim so I can enter into it. And by faith he released the glory of God as he spoke the word from his heart and wholly followed him and he got into the promised land. Look at Hebrews number four, uh, chapter 4. Go back again. I want you to see this. Remember the place God prepared for them. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn to my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest. And then pick it up at verse 9. So seeing they couldn't, the people that they couldn't enter in because of unbelief, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest hath also ceased from his own works, as did God from his. Let us therefore labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man should, after the same example of unbelief, fall. He's going to fall. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and to the joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Even though it was prepared for them to enter into that place of God's rest. Notice he compares the place of rest to creation and the seven days of creation. The six days that he worked and the seventh day that he rested. And so what he's saying is this. I have worked and worked and worked and worked and then I rested. I prepared a place for you on the Sabbath day, a place of rest. The Israelites celebrated the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was a day of rest where they had to rest from all their labors. In other words, he was giving them a pattern to follow. There's going to come a time in your life that you sit back and just say, you know what? God did it all for me. He did it all for me. When God created all things, we see manifestations of his glory that brings light, that brings life. We see trees. We see fruit. And the list goes on and on. We see animals, and then finally we see man. All this he worked, manifesting his glory. And what did he do on the seventh day? Sat back and said, go ahead. And how does he uphold all things? By the word of his power. What is he saying? He doesn't have to make another tree. Why? Because by his glorious power, he made one. And it's the seed that's on the inside that's going to continue it. And the same thing is with us. They were to enter his rest by recognizing what he had done for them and just enjoyed it by believing in him. Well, you know what? In the new creation, someone did the work for us. What's his name? See, in the new creation, we had nothing to do with it. 
God's glory raised him up from the dead after he did all that was necessary to redeem us back to God. And once we accepted that sacrifice, we became born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and we began experiencing glory to glory transformation in our lives as we experience his saving power, his healing power, his delivering power, his transforming power, just like Elisha did. And we continue on until we're ushered into glory, just like Elijah was ushered into glory. We believe in the finished work of Christ. And by faith, he says, use speed to get to this place that I have prepared for you. Well, what place is that? It's in Christ. You see, the finished work of Christ is what we enter into. And that's our place of rest. We're saved by grace through faith in what he did. By, grace, by faith, we access all the grace of God. We enter into all the grace. And so the glory to glory transformation is us experiencing who we are in Christ, seeing it for ourselves, acting upon it, and then rejoicing in it. And by faith, the work is done. Jesus did the work for us. We don't labor as they did in the old covenant. We're not saved by works, but by grace through faith. And so we just believe what Jesus did. Well, look at Psalm 115. If I'm going to enter into the rest that God has for me, and I'm thinking about all that he has done for me, all I've got to do is just thank him that it's already done for me, and I believe it, and I thank you for it. Look at Psalm 115. See what it says? We're renewing our minds to the word of God to see how God thinks of us and what God thinks of us. The Lord has been mindful of us. Say this with me. The Lord's mindful of me. He's mindful of you. He's mindful of me. Notice this. What is he thinking about doing? He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. He's mindful of us. Do you know the Bible says in Psalm 139, 17 and 18, it says that his thoughts of us are as the number of the sand along the seashore? Think about that. His thoughts of you cannot be numbered. It's like all the sand along the seashore. And what's he thinking about? He wants to bless us. What earthly father doesn't want to bless his children? He wants to bless us. And the only, thing that, only one that can stop it is if we don't enter in by faith to the things he has provided for us. And we deny that. But he wants to bless us. Okay, in the natural, there's a place for us to enter into by faith called his rest. That we cease from our works and we experience the best that's yet to come. Can you see something better than experiencing continually in our daily walk His presence, power, peace, promises, provision, and protection? Can you see anything better than that? I can't either. Now, look at the next phase and we'll close it right here. Spiritually speaking, the best is yet to come. Look at the book of Philippians. And this is the Apostle Paul, chapter 1. This is 21 through 24, the New Living Translation of the Bible. For to me, to live is Christ. It means living for Christ. And dying is even better. The King James says gain. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. So what's Paul saying? Man, for me, it'd be a whole lot better for me to go on the other side. In other words, the best is yet to come for me. And I want to enter into it and experience the fullness of it. But, you know, I know there's a need for me to stay here. And that's better for you. 
Because I want to continue to influence your life and your walk with the Lord. And so I want to be here for you to invest in your lives even more. Well, what could be far better than he's talking about on the other side in glory? Well, since you asked, look at John's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions and dwelling places. And if it were so, not so, I would have told you, I go to what? What? Prepare a place for you. You might think you're displaced. You're not. There is a place that he has prepared for you and for me. And we're heading in that direction prayerfully, right? And we want to experience this wonderful place. Imagine this wonderful place he has set aside just for you in his eternal glory. Look at the next one, Job. Look in Job chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. This is from the New Living Translation. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. After, look at this, and after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. What's better? Can you imagine better? We experiencing him now right here on this earth by faith, right? And you know you have a walk with him by faith. And you have joy unspeakable full of glory. But what's better? You'll be looking at him face to face. You know what? I asked Andrew just the other day as I was going over this. I said, Andrew, what was it like seeing Jesus? He said it was wonderful. I said, but Andrew, what was it like looking into his eyes? And he said, oh, Dad, it was... Beautiful. Wonderful. And he couldn't hardly explain. It was like this warm feeling. I said, you mean like this love? This feeling of love just exuding from his eyes into you? He said, yeah, it was almost like piercing. You know, like looking into you. I said, wow. No wonder he can't wait to get back there to see all this. But you talk about the best that's yet to come? We've not seen anything yet. Look at the next one. We see him face to face in Philippians in chapter 3, verse 20. And this is again from the New Living Translation. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. Is that the best that's yet to come? Can you imagine this body that we're living in right now that the Bible says inner man perish, but outer man perish, but the inner man is renewed day by day? This body is going to be glorified like unto his. Hallelujah. Talk about something to shout about. Look at 2 Corinthians. What other things are rewards for serving him on this side of heaven? For we live, we live by believing and not seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So in other words, he's saying the rewards. can it, We get rewarded for things we do here upon the earth, but can you imagine a reward that comes from God, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself? You know, you think about a, a Christmas present, a birthday present, or something of that nature. You think about that, and what do you think about? Well, what's the right gift to give to this person? Something wonderful, something they'll appreciate, something that they'll like. 
Can you imagine the awards or the rewards that you and I are going to get just because we served him on this side of heaven and we get there and he says, look, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I've got something for you. And you stop right there because you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. What's the most wonderful gift anyone has ever given you? It can't compare. You know why? I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man, whatever it is that God's prepared for them who love him, who serve him faithfully, and live their lives, as Paul said, for me to live as Christ. We can't even imagine it. Look at the next one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Are you ready for it? This is a family reunion you don't want to be late for. This is one that's going to set your feet ablaze. When you see your father, your mother, who served the Lord and led you down the right path so that you could be with them in glory, or a grandmother, or a grandfather. My great-grandfather called me Billy Sunday. For years, I didn't even know who Billy Sunday was. But he was coming, he actually came to me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, you, Billy Sunday. He was talking about the evangelist, Billy Sunday, who was a fiery preacher uh, way back in the day, and seemed like he was passing that on to me, and I didn't even know anything about it. But having a great-grandfather that served God, that loved God, that passed it on down from one generation to the next, and there you are meeting in the clouds of glory and celebrating with all the people that have gone before you. Oh, wow. You talk about the best that's yet to come. Wow. Look at the next one. Another one. Just wonderful. Revelation 21. And look at beginning verse 1. That I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone. How long? forever. You talk about the best that's yet to come? Hallelujah. He, we're with him. He's with us. A new heavenly home, new heaven, new earth, everything absolutely perfect. Beyond anything our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, we can't even embrace it in our hearts, but the Holy Ghost gives us glimpses of it from glory to glory here on this side of heaven, but we'll be ushered into it on that side of heaven. No more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, no more pain, no more woes, no more bills to pay. It's a mortgage-free dwelling place. Aren't you glad for that? And you don't even need a vehicle. You'll just want to be somewhere and you'll be there just like that. Isn't that great? Imagine the best is yet to come. Are you striving for it? We all need to be striving for it. And then finally, in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3, here is the advice of the Apostle Paul, who didn't get there yet while he lived on the earth, but he said, I'm striving for that. Here's what he says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. This is where I gaze my sights. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, 
I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. No matter what we've experienced in God, we haven't seen anything yet. No matter what we've heard about the things of God, we haven't heard anything yet. No matter what revelation we have of God on this side of heaven, our hearts have not embraced anything like what we're going to see on the other side in glory. For I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God prepared for them that love Him, that serve Him, that live for Him, that give themselves and surrender to Him and for His cause as an ambassador to carry out the life mission that He's caused us, called us to do. Beloved, it pays for us to continue on this side of heaven, walking with God, serving Him, honoring Him, living for Him, putting Him first in our lives. Why? Because the best is yet to come. That's why. And what God wants is for us to give His presence the highest place of honor here among us, individually, collectively as a church body, in our homes. Because he wants us to experience the best that's yet to come. Let's all stand together before the Lord.